The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Who's up, who's down, who's in, who's out? Rumors and prognostications swirled around the State House leading up to this Thursday's committee and leadership assignments. And now we know. Which lawmakers will lead the budget writing process, who the House and Senate point people will be on key issues from taxes to health care, and who has ascended into the ranks of leadership. Uh, So this week we're joined once again by our, well actually our full crew, uh, Colin Young, Chris Lasinski, Katie Lannon, and Matt Murphy. Hi folks. Hello. What's up Sam? Happy Friday. Hey, same to you. Uh, Chris, let's start with you this week because uh, you profiled the two new chairmen of Ways and Means, Aaron Michaelwitz and Michael Rodrigues. Let's start over in the Senate, Chris. Uh, Fill us in on on Mike Rodrigues. Um, He was on House Ways and Means back when he was over on the House side. Yeah, yeah, Sam, you're right about that. Uh, you know, Mike Rodrigues is a veteran lawmaker. He has been in the legislature for 23 years, uh, spent 15 years in the House where uh, he did one term on the House Ways and Means Committee. He has been a senator for the past eight years. Uh, a little bit about him. His background is in business. He uh, has an accounting degree from what is now UMass Dartmouth. He took over his family's flooring business in Westport when he was pretty young, and he actually cited... Uh, his experience on the Town of Westport's Finance Committee when he spoke to reporters yesterday is a, a key qualification now as he takes over uh, what is uh, apparently the largest budget of any organization in New England. Uh, he's a, a, a something of a, a centrist Democrat. I think his words yesterday were uh, as being in the boring middle. Um, right, but, uh, and, and we'll touch more on that centrist theme later on. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the most notable things about his career actually came last term when Rodriguez chaired the Senate Ethics Committee as allegations came out against Brian Hefner, the husband of then-Senate President Stan Rosenberg. Uh, the Ethics Committee, under Rodriguez's watch, ordered an investigation that eventually led to Rosenberg's departure from the Senate. Uh, another thing that he brought up yesterday, you know, he pointed to that as an example of how he can take on difficult responsibilities responsibility and keep a level head during times that are challenging. So we'll uh, see how that experience translates into uh, ostensibly one of the most powerful positions in the legislature. Sure. Uh, a, a proving ground, I think I heard some uh, reporters say yesterday. Yeah. And and both the House and Senate Ways and Means chairmanships um, have been something of a springboard in the past. Current Senate President Karen Spilka previously served as chair of the, the Senate Ways and Means Committee. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's a, a similar trend in the, the House as well. Sure. Well, let's go over to the House. Uh, Aaron Michaelwitz from the North End. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a, a younger lawmaker than uh, than Senator Rodriguez, but uh, he has been in the House for close to a decade. Uh, North End native, went to Northeastern University, has an MBA from Suffolk. He actually got his start in politics, not in elected office, but working for former House Speaker Sal DeMacy uh, for about five years. Now, DeMacy, of course, uh, left office in 2009 under investigation. He was later indicted on federal fraud charges, and uh, Michaelowitz won the special election to take DeMacy's House seat. So basically, he he filled his boss's shoes in the House. And uh, I think he said at the time he was the first non-Italian from the North End to serve that district in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And he's held that uh, seat. He's in his, his sixth term now. 
Um, uh, some of the things that he's worked on in recent years have been uh, legislative packages to regulate uh, some of the most booming tech companies. In 2016, uh, he worked on a package that uh, uh, brought sweeping new regulations to Uber and Lyft for how drivers on those platforms had to get the right credentials, implemented new fees on them, things like that. Uh, and last year, he led the negotiations that extended the state's hotel tax to uh, companies such as Airbnb and HomeAway. Yeah, Katie? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, Chris, you mentioned the the Airbnb uh, so-called Airbnb legislation. Mike Rodrigues was the Senate's point person on that issue for a while. He was kind of championing their approach. So these are two people who, uh, they have not been co-chairs together, but they have had experience working together and negotiating uh, a complex issue. Right, right. So Mike Heffernan is going to be the veteran now at these budget hearings, which uh could be just around the corner. Uh, Matt Murphy, when when are the budget hearings supposed to get started? Do we know? Yeah, Mike Heffernan, the veteran of what one budget cycle now. We have new new faces uh, pretty much all around. The speaker said uh, that you know, given the late date uh, being now mid to late February when he's making these appointments, that budget hearings on the governor's uh, forty two point seven billion dollar spending plan for FY twenty twenty needs to get going uh, immediately. So I think we can expect to probably see uh, Michael Witz and Rodrigues uh, put together a hearing schedule fairly uh, soon. And Matt, there had been a lot of speculation about uh, which direction these two appointments might go, House and Senate Ways and Means, leading up to Thursday. And um, there was talk about what kind of pressure Speaker DeLeo might feel um, to get it right and uh, and what direction Spilka might go in her first appointment of a Ways and Means chairman. Um, what did you take away from each of their choices? Yeah, so I mean, w- if we start with the House, uh, I think the, the, there was no shortage of names being bandied around in, in the run-up to this announcement. Uh, there was at least a handful of people, including Michael Witz, uh, Judiciary Committee Claire, uh, Chairman Claire Cronin, among the top names bandied about. And uh, people thought after Jeff Sanchez was there for such a short period the last time that with the Speaker uh, making his fourth pick for Ways and Means and also you know, getting up there in years. He's now in his sixth term. Uh, no one's exactly sure how long he is going to stick around, though right, I, right. I will point out he's given no indication that he's going anywhere. But uh, this pick uh, became all the more important, and he was certainly under some pressure, some thought, to perhaps pick a woman uh, who would be the first woman uh, to occupy the Ways and Means chairmanship. But in the end, he went with Michael Witz, who represents you know a younger generation of leaders in the House, but also someone who's been on his leadership team, is a loyal member of that team, is uh, someone that he can trust and count on, and, uh, and you know, someone who uh, has experience uh, going back a couple sessions now, and it, that experience might have tipped the scales where uh, someone like Claire Cronin only chaired a committee last session. Michael Witz, uh, as Chris pointed out, has now uh, run financial services for, for many years and gone through these uh, big bills a couple times. And what did you take away from President Spilka's choices, not just for Rodrigues, but she's assembling her first real leadership team? Yeah, right. A, a different dynamic on the Senate side with Spilka starting her first full session uh, and bringing in her first, uh, you know, our first chance to see what a full Spilka team would look like since she only uh, started at the end of formal sessions last year in July. So uh, I think the the selection of Rodrigues caught a lot of people by surprise. 
uh, going into this, we were hearing that she was perhaps deciding between Joan Lovely, uh, the vice chairwoman last session, who had kind of run that committee in her absence when she became president from July through the end of 2018. Or another name we heard a lot was Senator uh, William Brownsberger, who uh, ran the Judiciary Committee and negotiated criminal justice reform last session. Well, Brownsberger ends up moving up, in fact, and takes over as Senate President pro tem. But Spilka goes with uh, a moderate, as Chris pointed out, someone who leaned into that uh, designation. Actually, when I talked to him, I gave him a chance to deny uh, that he was a moderate or, or maybe dispute that reputation that he has earned. And he, he fully embraced it, calling himself as someone sits in the the boring middle right. uh, so so he's uh accepting that uh position and uh you know it, it's a an interesting pick for a branch where uh, the the liberal democrats have grown in number in recent years and had seemed to be uh, somewhat ascendant right I, I looked in the mass political almanac our sister publication on the pages for rep michaelwitz and senator rodrigues and their ratings from different advocacy organizations show um definitely a more progressive uh, quote-unquote uh, Ways and Means chairman on the House side, which which some folks might not have expected. Yeah, no one, I don't think anyone would have expected the coming out of this, that the the more liberal, at least on paper, the more liberal Ways and Means chair would be sitting on the House side under Speaker DeLeo. But here we are. And, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned Brownsburger. There are others, Senator Mike Barrett and other progressive Democrats who did find themselves in leadership. But we did hear some some chatter yesterday after the appointments came out from progressives looking at uh, not just the Rodriguez appointment, but people like Senator Mike Rush, a conservative Democrat from West Roxbury, put into that majority whip position in the Senate uh, as a signal that maybe Karen Spilka is not going to lead the Senate even further to the left and further away from the House. She may be coming back towards the center uh, where uh, this building sometimes sits with uh, both Speaker DeLeo and uh, Governor Baker, uh, the other two big decision makers here. So Matt and and all of you, um, what do all of these appointments in, in their totality portend for each branch? What tone might these picks set and uh, what what might this signal for how future debates might go over the coming two years? I can jump in quickly and just say I did, you know, I got an email after we uh, published some of our coverage yesterday from someone who wanted to know, uh, particularly with the appointment of Aaron Michaelwitz, if this now meant that safe communities would get done in the House. And, you know, I think it's interesting to point out that the failure of, of bills like Safe Communities, that uh, pro-immigrant, um, anti-immigration enforcement bill uh, that died last session and was part of the reason that Jeff Sanchez lost his re-election bid, that, uh, its failure in the House had very little, in fact, to do with Jeff Sanchez, I would contend. And uh, Speaker DeLeo is still the Speaker. Karen Spilka is still the Senate President. And there's a there's a impulse to try and read a lot into these appointments. But uh, given the concentration and power on Beacon Hill in those two offices, I think those are still the two people that you're going to have to try and read and figure out. I, I would also add that uh, both Rep. Michaelwitz and Senator Rodriguez uh, were pretty noncommittal yesterday when asked about the possibility of new taxes. You know, they, they have a, a $42.7 billion budget proposal from Governor Baker. They also face a $403 million revenue gap after two straight months of missed projections. And I think uh, they both offered very similar answers uh, that were neither a yes nor a no on the idea of exploring new taxes to help close those gaps and said, well, 
well, it's too early on. We'll look at everything that's on the table, but we're we're not saying one way or another right now. And and I just think it's interesting to note that as we're still trying to kind of get a sense of how Karen Spilka's Senate interacts with Robert DeLeo's House, we uh, we have a lot of new duos this session, people right. who haven't been co-chairs together in the past. And, and while there's more to it than just the relationship between the chairs and what kind of common ground there is between them, we're really going to have to wait and see on a lot of those uh, dynamics. Right. Uh, Speaking of taxes, like the Revenue Committee, uh, two new chairmen there in in the House and Senate, Uh, and this comes as uh, legislative proponents for the so-called millionaire surtax are gearing up for another another push for that. Um, But let's, let's focus on two other areas where branches couldn't reach agreement last session, uh, healthcare and education. Three out of four of those chairs have turned over, uh, including both chairs on healthcare financing. Uh, Colin, fill us in on Chairwoman Friedman and, and Benson. That's right, Cindy. The two new chairs of Healthcare Financing Committee are uh, Senator Cindy Friedman of Arlington and Rep. Jennifer Benson of Lunenburg. Uh, Healthcare uh, is an issue where there is great interest uh, from uh, all three corners of the triangle in the building here, the House, the Senate, and the Governor's Office. Uh, All three have said that uh, this is something that they want to see get done this session and want to see get done uh, sooner rather than later this session after the failure uh, to pass a health care bill into law last session. Uh, The Senate passed its health care bill in November 2017, but the House didn't follow suit until June. Uh, due to, among other things, the death of Rep. Peter Cocott, who was the one drafting the House's bill. Uh, And then with just about a month uh, of formal business left uh, last summer, the House finally passed its bill, but the two branches never were were able to come to an agreement uh, by the end of July. Uh, And since that collapse, both sides, the House and Senate, have said that they uh, intend to take another crack at it this go-round. In October, Speaker DeLeo said, uh, quote, patients are still forgoing care due to costs. And he also said community hospitals and our health centers are still struggling to survive. Those were the two things the health care efforts last session sought to uh, to deal with, and they remain the the, uh, focus this session. Uh, health care costs, even since uh, the so-called Romney care law was was signed um, more than a decade ago now, uh, health care costs have continued to rise. Per capita health care spending in Massachusetts was more than $8,900 in 2017. Uh, and the Mass Health Program makes up about 40% of all state spending. So this is a, a big uh, area for the legislature to um, uh, to try to get its arms around. So what kind of an approach might Benson and Friedman take? Uh, so I talked to uh, Chairwoman Benson yesterday uh, on Thursday, and she said that she's going to start by reviewing the bill that passed the House and the bill that passed the Senate last session to see how they both worked and, and how they addressed the issues. Uh, she said she wants to, quote, kind of tear them apart and see what the pieces are. Uh, she said last session's House bill is something that, uh, of course, was su- supported by the House. Most of those House members returned to this session. Uh, So she wants to start there, start with what was in that bill last year uh, and see how they might be able to use that as a starting point. I also spoke with Rep. Frank Moran, who last session was really involved on the issue of community hospitals uh, and their financial stability. He told me that he's already filed a bill this session uh, to deal with the financial stability of community hospitals, but he plans to uh, be equally as involved this session uh, when the House considers its health care bill. Uh, over on the Senate side, it'll be new chair uh, Senator Friedman. She previously chaired the Mental Health and Substance Use Committee, uh, where her focus had been on opioids. She helped pass uh, the significant opioid epidemic um, 
combating legislation uh, right at the end of the last session as well. Uh, so now she'll sort of expand her scope from just uh, the issue of opioids and uh, substance use uh, to healthcare generally and how we pay for it. What does Governor Baker uh, think? Well, yeah, the governor talked a bit about this back in October at the Health Policy Commission's cost trends hearings. Uh, and at that point, the governor predicted that uh, when the House and Senate take this issue up this time around, uh, the real stumbling block is going to be uh, how to how to help those struggling community hospitals. Katie, uh, you were tracking for us yesterday the new chairs of education and, and what that might have in store for the coming session. In the Senate, we moved from an urban chair to a suburban chair. Yeah, that's right. The the one new chair on the Education Committee, because, of course, uh, Alice Peisch in the House of Wellesley is returning this session. She has been chairing that committee since 2011 and up until this year has been doing so with Sonia Chang-Diaz of Jamaica Plain on the Senate side. And the, the two of them haven't always seen eye to eye on education funding issues in terms of what the best way is to go about revamping the formula. But they did work together, working together, co-chaired the Foundation Budget Review Committee, whose 2015 report has really been the basis for a lot of this effort. Now, Senator Chang Diaz has really been pushing Foundation Budget Review legislation since almost since that report came out and has been a very vocal champion of that issue. And she's got a bill again this session. Her successor on the Education Committee, Jason Lewis of Winchester, he was quick to point out that he is a co-sponsor of that bill. You know, he went out of his way to say he was the the first senator to sign on. Um, and he did tell us yesterday, too, that that school funding is one of the, the issues that drove him to, to run for office in the first place. Cuts at his daughter's school in Winchester, where they were seeking parents to volunteer to help keep the library open. And that was back in 2002, 2003. So it's been a, a long running uh interest and p- issue for him. He said he wants to learn from Senator Chang Diaz as he steps into this role. That's right. He said that, you know, she's done a phenomenal job. He's got big shoes to fill there, suggesting that he he might be, you know, more aligned with her on policy. It might not be signaling a policy difference from President Spilka so much as maybe a difference in approach. Um, as you mentioned, Sam, it is notable that We'll now have two suburban chairs because school funding issues often pit cities against suburbs because they there's always a question of who gets the resources and they both have different needs and kind of abilities to to fund their schools. Um, Boston is still represented on the committee in terms of the the rank and file members, though without Sonia Chang Diaz, she's not on the committee at all anymore. And we we didn't even see her yesterday uh, coming out of caucus when we were able to track down many of the senators. She had some thoughts to share on Twitter this morning, though. She she described Jason Lewis as wicked smart and a quick study. That's um, smart with an H. Yeah, the uh, (laughs) goodwill hunting spelling. Right. And she tweeted that she's she's not going anywhere when it comes to education funding, calling it critical generational reform and said she'll be there fighting alongside advocates every step of the way. So I, I don't think we've heard the last from her on this issue by any means. Yeah, just uh, Katie noting that uh, Senator Chang Diaz didn't uh, come out. We didn't really see her yesterday. We also didn't see Karen Spilka. And I don't think this is a, That's a good an issue that is going to necessarily go away. I mean, the, the Ways and Means chairmanship selections got the bulk of the headlines in the talk and maybe rightfully so given their promise 
prominence in the legislature. But this uh, was essentially a firing of Senator Chang Diaz from the Education Committee after two go-rounds where she couldn't really strike a deal with the House. She wasn't just removed as chairman. She was removed from the committee altogether. And we have not heard uh, from Senate President Spilka about what she was thinking when she made that move and, and went to Senator Lewis. So I think this is a storyline to watch uh, I- I- at least the next week and moving forward as well. And it's possible, too, because in not seeing Sonia Shang Diaz yesterday, you know, who knows? Anything could have happened. She could have asked to be moved from the committee, thinking she might be able to get a little more fiery if you're not in the formal chair role. And as far as Jason Lewis and the concept of working with the House, he's a former rep. So he might be a little more versed on how that side of the building works. And, and we've seen him get some some major bills through. He was a big supporter of raising the, the tobacco buying age to 21 when he was public health chairman. So it'll be interesting to watch what he does on education. All right, quickly, folks, we're going to go around the room. Final thoughts. Uh, Colin, what do you have for us this week? Sam, I wrote a bit this week about the Department of Justice's new interpretation of the Wire Act and how it might affect online lottery as Treasurer Deb Goldberg uh, uh, pushes that here in the legislature. Today, the New Hampshire Lottery Commission filed a lawsuit in federal court uh, seeking an injunction on that new interpretation uh, so that it can continue to sell lottery products online. Chris Lisinski. On Monday, the state released its latest round of opioid death statistics. Uh, uh, showing some signs of progress, down 4% from last year. But uh, that still accounts for uh, almost 2,000 deaths in 2018. So there's quite a lot of work left to be done. Katie Lennon. GE's announcement this week that it's going to go with a smaller scale headquarters in Boston means $87 million will be paid back to the state. And people are already eyeing that money. So that's going to be something to watch going forward. We've had Senator Eric Lesser come out and say he wants to reinvest the fund the funds in uh, vocational education. Senator Adam Hines wants to see the money go to Western Massachusetts, and I'm sure they won't be the only ones we hear from on this. Matthew Murphy. And I will say if the political news gods are smiling on us in 2019, we will see a Donald Trump-Bill Weld debate. Uh, <laughs> Bill Weld in New Hampshire today on Friday announcing that he is no longer libertarian and he's launching an exploratory committee to run for president as a Republican in 2020, joining Elizabeth Warren and, who knows, maybe even Seth Moulton. Time to pick up a copy of Mackerel by Moonlight, I guess. <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks, Thanks Sam. Thanks, Sam. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.